You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Happy New Year, everybody. We're getting into our new series today in line with our prayer and fasting. It's entitled Dare to Believe. In this series, we, we are going to look at people from the Old Testament who had dire circumstances, impossible situations, but they had the boldness to believe God for the impossible. They had audacious faith. They had the audacity to ask God for things that seemed to be impossible. But one thing they knew is that even if they're in an impossible situation, they know that nothing is impossible with God. And that speaks to us today that even if we are going through tremendous situations or circumstances that feel like they're impossible to overcome, good news is God is a God of the impossible. He can do the miraculous, okay? He is above the natural. He is supernatural, and He can do the impossible in our situation, okay? How many of you have been struggling with something, and you've been asking God for a breakthrough, Okay, so we will learn in this series, we will look at different people and their stories. So basically, we're just going to look at stories, okay, stories of those people and how they overcame their circumstances by daring to believe God, by having audacious faith, okay? So with that, uh, let's all stand right now. I'd like us to open our Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20. That's a book that we rarely go to, but if you have your apps with you, just go to Second Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament, okay? And it's not after Genesis. Second Chronicles, chapter twenty. And as you go there, um, I'd like to just show you the overview of our series. We're going to look at five weeks of this, and so we're going to look at the f- we're going to look at the faith to be delivered. We're going to look at the faith to declare, the faith to conquer, the faith to claim and the faith to serve. On that last Sunday, Faith to Serve, it's going to be the last Sunday of January. That's going to be our volunteer Sunday. Okay, so just to let everybody know. How many of you are volunteers here in this church? Okay, let's give these volunteers a big hand. We appreciate all the volunteers here, and, uh, you know, volunteer commitments run for one year. So that's what we're going to look at in this series. And today, we're going to talk about the faith to be delivered. Faith to be delivered from our impossible circumstance okay let's look at second chronicles chapter 20 are you there verse 1 through 4 verses 1 through 4 it says there after this the moabites and ammonites and with them some of the meonites came against jehoshaphat for battle some men came and told jehoshaphat a great multitude is coming against you from edom from beyond the sea And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that... You look after us. We thank you that you take care of us and you protect us, that you are mighty, Lord, to conquer our fears and even our challenges. And you call us to that place 
where we can be, be victorious, where we can overcome, and that is a place of faith. But Lord, a place of faith is beyond the natural and is in a supernatural plane. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to elevate us to that place where we would be in a position to receive your miracle. Lord, we pray that you would build our faith, that we may see you move mightily on our behalf and for your glory. Lord, we just commit this series to you. We commit this sermon to you today. And we pray that you, your word would penetrate our hearts so that we may live by it for your honor and glory. In your most precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me take your seats. Now, just like in the story, every believer comes to the point where, where we face impossible situations. How many of you have gone through a crisis of sorts or maybe a, a huge crisis? Some of us have gone through it. Some of us are going through it. And some of us will go through it. It's a reality in life. And uh, many times when we face these different crises in our lives, we feel ill-equipped. We feel that we're not ready we feel that these are too overwhelming for us. And, and it's mostly the case. And that is actually a, a reminder to all of us that we are not in control of our lives. We don't have full control of how our lives will turn out. We don't determine uh, you know, our ultimate destiny. Okay? We don't determine the, the consequences that happen. You know, we make the choice but we can't choose the consequences, right? How many of us want to do bad things and enjoy the bad things, but don't want the consequences those bad things will bring? But many of us don't realize that when we choose the bad things, those bad consequences come with them. Now, what do we do when we are faced with seemingly impossible challenges? Now, that's what I want to ask you today. When you're in an impossible situation, what do you do? Where do you go? Who do you look to? Okay? Just think about it for, for a second. When you are in a bad situation, what do you usually do? What's your gut reaction? Some people say it depends on the situation, but there is always a gut reaction, a knee-jerk reaction. There's always that instinctive reaction that you go to. That's your default. What is it? Think about it. Don't answer me. I want you to think about your default response when you go through adversity. Okay? Think about it. And keep it in your mind here. So in this story, we can learn how to respond in these situations. Now, the context of this is Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of the kingdom of Judah. Now, if you all know, Judah as a kingdom came from the nation of Israel, basically Judah is one of the tribes, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel. But after Solomon, David and Solomon, after Solomon's reign, their children, basically because of their choices, the, the ones who succeeded them, they chose wrongly. And so what happened was the kingdom was divided. Ten tribes joined together and left, basically, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. So the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. So they, they were left there. Jerusalem was in Judah. And so 10 tribes banded together and said, we're going to form our own kingdom. So they were called the northern kingdom of Israel. They retained the name Israel. But here, the southern kingdom, there are only two tribes left. They were called the kingdom of Judah. So there were two kingdoms there. 
from one nation they became two. Okay? And so, Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. He was a righteous king. He was not a perfect king. He, made, he had weaknesses. Okay? So, there, there are no perfect people. So, but Jehoshaphat was a righteous king. He was a man who followed the ways of his father David, of his uh, ancestor David. And he sought the Lord. And we'll see that. We'll see that here. Jehoshaphat. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. How many of you would want the Lord to be with you? Remember that story, Joseph? The Lord was with Joseph. So it doesn't matter where you are. As long as the Lord is with you, you're in the best place. You're in a good place. As long as God is with you. It's not where you are. It's where God is. And if God is with you, you are in a good place. Even if you're in a furnace, you are in a good place. Remember the four, you know, the three buddies, three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the fiery furnace, but God was with them. So that was an awesome place to be, right? So it was scary, but God was there. So see, it, it's not really about where you are. It's where God is. And if God is with you, if you are where God is, then you're in a safe place, even in the midst of trials. That's why the psalmist said, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's surrounded by his enemies, and yet he's able to feast and to have fellowship with God. He's at peace because he knows God is his protector. Okay? So are we getting this? So the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David, meaning David was not his literal father. I mean, when you say his father, it means his ancestor. Okay? So he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. You see, Jehoshaphat was a man who went against the tide. Israel and the, the people were practicing Baal worship. Okay? They've left their heritage. They've left their foundation and started to serve pagan gods. And that became the culture. It was now cultural, culturally accepted for them to worship Baal. But Jehoshaphat, the king, stood on the truth and stood by God, even if it was not popular, but he, he followed God. And the Lord was with him. Okay, and during his reign, of course, he, he had times of war. But after this account, he's had the time of peace. And his reign was one of the, the reigns that we could call a blessed because he was a righteous king. Okay? He sought God. He sought the Lord. He went against the culture, the culturally accepted norm, and he went for the truth. And look at this. Second Chronicles 17.6. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Okay? And he had a passion and a fire for God. So this is a righteous man. And, and we see him coming up to our passage the nation of Judah is now under attack in the, with a threat of attack from three, three groups of people, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and those living in, along Mount Seir. Okay? And they were all coming against him. And, and uh, what's interesting is that all these people came together in a great multitude, and they're about to take Judah siege. You know, they're going to lay siege on Judah, rather. How many of you have seen um, The Lord of the Rings? I mean, you've seen, uh, you know, that, that scene at Helm's Deep when all those orcs came in and you know, hordes of them. That's scary, isn't it? You see, that's 10,000 orcs. 
and that's in the two towers. Now, in the return of the king, there was about 100,000 uh, you know, 100, strong armies of the enemy okay, against the city of Gondor. And how many of you know, if, you're, if you are under siege like that, it's not a pretty sight. It's, it's a scary thing. Do you realize that you are always under siege by the enemy? The enemy is pounding against you whether you realize it or not. Okay? You see, we think of the enemy, the devil, as this red-horned dude with the red pajamas, with a pitchfork. But you know what? That's a caricature to divert our attention to his true, true identity and his true work. And his work is to deceive. He's the deceiver. And many of us may not feel like we're demonized. We're enjoying this world, but literally we are under the devil's bondage because of sin. Okay? So here... A great multitude was there. So, and if you were Jehoshaphat, when you see that great multitude of three nations coming against you, what are you going to feel? Eh, let them have their day. Are you going to be like that? Jehoshaphat, even though he was a righteous man, he was human. It says there he was afraid. How many of you would be afraid too? I would be afraid. I would be afraid. Okay. And he was afraid, and here's what he did. He set his face to seek the Lord. And that was his gut reaction. That was his knee-jerk reaction. That was his instinctive response. When you are in a crisis, what is your instinctive response? Jehoshaphat, when, when he saw the circumstance, when he saw the situation, he didn't go, okay, uh, here's what we're going to do, okay? We have to figure this out, okay? No, and many of us are like that. Come here, come here, come here. We, we have to figure this out. Well, we stress out about it, and we rack our brains trying to figure how to solve it when the solution is in God, and He's waiting to give it to you. All you need to do is come to Him. Does that make sense? And many times we come to God as a last resort. When we come to God as a last resort, you're telling God, you know what, you're an option. If I'll do things first, and if they don't work, I'll come to you. But if they work, they work. So that's it. Jehoshaphat, his knee-jerk, his instinctive response was to set his face toward God, to seek God. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He understood the gravity of the situation. He understood the peril that his nation was in. His nation can be wiped away. Okay? And what I want to do here is just, I just want to do a running commentary here as we go through the passage and give you some, you know, just drop some lessons here, to pick up some lessons that we can apply to our lives. And see here, that was his reaction, and here's what we can learn from that. Let's be desperate to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting when you are faced with impossible situations. Not even with just impossible situations, with any situation as believers our instinctive reaction should be to go to God and seek His face and seek His wisdom and cry out for His mercy and for His grace and for His deliverance. It should be our first and only option. Everything else will come from that option. Does that make sense? Many times we make our lives more complicated because we mess it up by thinking we can solve it and we make a a bigger mess. But if we just follow what God says, He will direct us every step of the way. 
Okay, be desperate. Are we desperate to seek God? Jehoshaphat's instinctive reaction was to seek God. The graver the circumstances, the greater the desperation. Okay, and that's why prayer and fasting helps us focus on God. There's nothing like prayer and fasting that can make you focus on God like prayer and fasting. When you pray and fast, when you set aside things, your desires and your basic needs and even some of your desires and you deny yourself of that and you focus on God and spend time with God, there's a clarity that comes to you that you would not experience just casually seeking Him. You will see there is a a sharp focus on God and and there's going to be a clarity. You're going to hear His voice in a way that you've never heard before. That's why we're calling people to fast and pray because we want you to experience God, God's presence in your life. Don't just hear about us telling you we've experienced it. We want you to experience it for yourselves. Come on now. We want you to experience God. You have your own testimony. And then here in verse 4, Judah assembled as he called for the fast. All Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. You see, you could tell it's not just because of the circumstance. Remember, people were, not everybody agreed with Jehoshaphat's faith, right? Not everybody agreed. Here in America, you have to be politically correct. Don't offend anybody. Don't say Merry Christmas. Say Happy Holidays. You know, it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. You could tell how respected a leader Jehoshaphat was, whether they agreed with him or not. When he called for the fast and to, for them to pray, they all came to pray and fast, seek the Lord. That speaks of his leadership. Okay? So all Judah came to him. Now, in verses 5 to 12, we're going to go through. This is the section where Jehoshaphat prayed in the assembly. So the people came. They gathered, and here the king stood. They knew they were in dire straits. And here the people looked to the king for leadership, and the king looked to God for leadership. And here is from verses 5 to 12. This is the prayer of Jehoshaphat. Now let's look at that. He prayed before the assembly. Verses 5 through 9 says there, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. So he's declaring who God is. Okay? He's declaring first who God is. This is who you are, God. You are, you are God. You are the most powerful being. No one can thwart you, and you rule over the kingdoms of the world. And then, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So this was his prayer. You see the desperation in his prayer. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. This is what his ancestors did. So what is Jehoshaphat doing here? He was recounting the past. He was recalling the history of his people 
in relation to God and in His covenant with them. Okay? He is recounting, recalling to mind the covenant that they had with God, that God was going to protect them. If a nation comes against them, they can come to God. God is my refuge. God is my strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble and in times of need. That's why they declare, you know, those, those songs. Because they had a covenant with God. Okay? God established them as a nation, and God did not just leave them behind. He was going to take care of them. Okay? We will come before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction. And you will hear and save. That was recounting the covenant promise of God. Okay? Before we proceed there, Jehoshaphat was recalling God's, basically God's faithfulness in the past. Are you in a terrible situation right now? So terrible that sometimes it tempts you to give up your faith. Where are you, God? Where, I can't sense you. I can't feel you. I don't know where you are. You don't give me any signs. Here's what you do. You go to him, and then in prayer, recount your history with God and how he has been faithful to you all your life. Recount past victories of faith. Recount past deliverance from, from disaster. How many of you can recount, can have stories? How many of you have stories like that, that God has delivered you? God has saved you. God has blessed you. Many times we're so ready to give up when God says, don't tap out yet. You know, don't tap out yet. The game hasn't started yet and you're tapping out because you're so afraid. You see, it's in these situations where God shows himself mighty. And these are the situations when you hold on to God and he displays his glory and his might, it's going to transform you forever and it's going to cause your faith to shoot up to the next level. Come on now. See, it's only in these situations where faith can be built. That's why God allows us to go through these things. Okay? So we need to cultivate a habit of knowing God's promise and recalling them and proclaiming. That's why we memorize the scripture to memorize God's promises, his word to us. This will stir up and build your faith. In verse 10, and now in his prayer, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt. Now, just to let everyone know, if you read the book of Exodus, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's basically it's a story of how God delivered the Israelites from Egypt and established them as a nation in the Promised Land. But in the Promised Land, there were nations who were living there who um, basically God, God was going to judge because of their sin. And God used the nation of Israel to be His instrument. Okay? So he, called, he used the nation of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt to be his instruments to drive out and wipe out those ungodly nations who basically, he created them, but they turned their, their backs on him. Basically, they did not believe in him. So generations now, sin upon sin upon sin have been piling up. Now the time of judgment came, and it was in the form of the Israelites coming, take possession of the land. But the nation of Moab and the Ammonites, God did not allow them to be touched by the Israelites. They were preserved. And that was what Jehoshaphat was recounting. Lord, you did not allow Israel to invade them. Actually, and the Israelites avoided them and did not destroy them. So basically, that was a mercy. God gave these nations another chance to exist, right? 
and to turn to him. And here's what Jehoshaphat said, Behold, your act of mercy to them by us not invading them. They reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. So Jehoshaphat understood this is ours. This is my spot. This is my inheritance. And many times in our situation, this is our inheritance, but the devil comes and lays siege upon us and tries to drive us away from our inheritance. And many times we go, okay, okay, you can have it, you can have it. You know what? God wants you to stay in your inheritance. Do you realize that for the Israelites to have the promised land, they had to do battle? You see, the promise is usually surrounded by problems that God wants you to overcome so that you inherit the promise, okay? So here, Jehoshaphat basically appealed the nation's covenant. Now, what's the lesson we can learn from here? Call to mind God's faithfulness in the past, okay? Call to mind when you're faced with an, an impossible situation. Seek God, and as you seek Him, bring to mind His faithfulness to you in the past. The Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was faithful to you in the past, do you think he will leave you now? Do you think he will leave you now? Do you really think he will abandon you now? Verse 12, and here he says, Our God, uh, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. See here, Jehoshaphat understood the situation. We are powerless against this. There's nothing we can do. And here's what he said. We don't know what to do. You see, he was a man of faith. He was the king. He was the leader. And he did not know what to do. What kind of leader is that? Sometimes our expectations of people are just too high. You know, sometimes when you ask, oh, are you a Christian? Oh, that means your life should be perfect, right? Oh, that means you should never get angry. And then when you get irritated, you see? Why do you get irritated? See? You're not a Christian. You see? You're not witnessing properly. People's expectations sometimes are just so ridiculous. I mean, see, even men of faith at times don't know what to do. But that's why they're men of faith. If they know everything what to do, then they, don't, they won't have faith. They know everything. But because even this great man of faith, he did not know what to do. But one thing I know to do is to come to God, seek him. And I know him whom I have believed. He knows what to do. Okay? We don't know what to do, but here's... Here's what reveals his, his faith. But our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How many of you are in that situation right now, in your situation, and you don't know what to do? Lord, I don't know what to do. And it's stressing you out. It's making you emotionally a wreck. God, I'm looking to you. You see, a Christian is not a perfect person. When you think you have a problem, oh, simple. Just trust God. No problems. If you think that's what a Christian is, then get out of Disneyland. <laughs> that's a fantasy. That's not. <laughs> a Christian is one who will experience spiritual battles. And many times you will not know what to do. Okay? And see here, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is a mark of a man of faith. That's a mark of a man of faith. You know, this is how you know if you have faith or not. How will you know if I don't have faith? If I see a negative circumstance that is impossible and I give up, 
that tells you you don't have faith. Or you just, okay, I surrender to that situation. It's not going to change. I'm doomed. A man of faith says, I don't know what to do. But my eyes on you. You are my deliverer. I don't know how you're going to deliver me. I don't know how you're going to save me. One thing I know, you're called the Savior. You will save. You are my deliverer. People of faith don't always know what to do, but they look to God for direction. Verses 13, continuing on. Verses 13 and 14, as after this prayer, all Judah was there. They humbled themselves before God in prayer and fasting, and they prayed a desperate prayer. And you see, God was with them. And right in the assembly, after Jehoshaphat prayed that, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, basically one of the Levites, in the midst of this. In the midst of the assembly, when they were assembled, God poured out His Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon this particular individual. And God spoke through a prophetic word through that person to give assurance to Jehoshaphat and the people. I got this. Let's read that. See, here's the thing. Here's the lesson there. The Lord responds to desperate faith. The Lord responds to your faith. That's what we talked about last week, right? Jesus responded to the faith of those people. God responds to desperate faith. When you're holding on to nothing but God, God responds to that kind of faith. Let's look at the prophetic word. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Here now he's speaking with the, with the unction of the Lord. He says, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. It's interesting as you, as you look at all the accounts of people in the Bible going through tremendous things, tremendous adversity. Their initial reaction is always fear. And the first response of God to them is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. Yes, it's a great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That's why the psalmist said, A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. That is a man who knows his God. Come on now. Don't be afraid. The battle belongs to the Lord. What's your situation right now? The Lord's speaking to you. Thus says the Lord, don't be afraid. The battle belongs to God. Don't try to help him do what he says. He'll be the one to fight your battle. Okay? So what's the lesson we can learn here? In desperate times, trust in the Lord and do not be afraid. Okay? God wants faith, not fear. Now in verses 16 to 17, it's interesting. The word of the Lord said, don't be afraid. The battle belongs to the Lord. And here in verses 16 and 17, God gives specific direction to them. See how specific he spoke here through the prophetic word. Tomorrow, here's the prophet speaking here. Tomorrow, go down against them. What? The multitude, go down against them? You see, many times God speaks to us contrary to our logic. How can I go against that great horde? We, we, we don't, we, we're going to be, we're going to be annihilated. But who's the one saying that? Who's telling you to go there? If God says go, it doesn't matter how big that challenge is. Go. See, where did God give them their victory? It's not going to be there in Jerusalem. It's going to be there in the battlefield. So here, 
Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. Okay? And here's what the Lord said. You will not need to fight in this battle. But God wants them there in the battle to go to the battlefield. But they will not fight. What? Okay. But here's what God says. Stand firm. So your face, that means, what is God saying here? Face your enemy. Face your challenge. Stand firm and watch me fight for you. That's what God is saying. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. You see, even if it's a multitude, and if you're just two, if the Lord's with you, then you are a majority. You're going to win if the Lord's with you. And if he tells you, go to the battle. So the lesson here is desperate faith. Here's God clearly and specifically. You see how specific God, the, the direction of God was? You don't hear that when you seek him casually. You hear that kind of, there's a certain laser-like focus on hearing God's voice in desperate faith, prayer, and fasting. When you seek Him with desperation in your heart, when you know this is my only hope, God's my only hope. That's why we have to see that. We do, I don't hear God. Well, maybe it's because we are not really seeking Him at all. Go down against them. You will not need to fight. Stand firm. Hold your position. See, here's another lesson here. Faith enables you to be in a position to see God's deliverance. I'm just going through the narrative, and we're pulling out these, these truths, these lessons that we can apply in our lives that can encourage us. Okay? Faith enables you to be in a position to see God's deliverance. What if Jehoshaphat and, and, the, and the people of Judah did not obey God to go to the battlefield? Will they see the deliverance? Will they see God's, God moving on their behalf? Many times we miss out what God's doing in our lives simply because we don't obey. We're so enamored by the things of this world. We're so caught up by our gadgets, by social media. We miss out on God and what He's doing. Obedience is key to your miracle, breakthrough, and deliverance. And here, amazing, is the response. Okay? The response here of Jehoshaphat and Judah is this. Then Jehoshaphat bowed down his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The battle hasn't taken place yet, but it was the prophetic word that came forth that brought so much strength. It infused so much strength and courage and faith in them and their fear was overwhelmed by that faith and it was so overwhelming that it burst out in worship. Their response to the word given to them, to God's promise, was worship and praise. Because if God said it, even if it hasn't happened yet, if God already said it, it's good as done. It is done. So we just have to take his word. Do you know that when God says, I will deliver you, that's a sure thing? Do you know when God says, I will take care of you, that is a sure thing? Even if the devil goes against you, God when he says something, it will always come to pass. And he delivered a prophetic word. And now Jehoshaphat said this. And the Levites and all the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So they were praising God. 
Wow, look at the change there. One word from God can change your heart and your life. Can change you forever. So from fear, now it's jubilant praise because they were expecting mighty things to take place. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitant of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. So he was telling them, The Lord has already spoken. Believe him. Believe what he said. And you will see what he said will come to pass. Lesson there is this. Faith exalts God in worship even in the midst of trouble. So we've gone through a lot of these lessons here. And so you see here, the story, if you read on, they went on. And as they were, let's read it. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord in the battlefield, right there by, as, as they were on their way to the battlefield, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. <laughs> so when they got there, see, the Lord said, you will not have to fight this battle, but you just need to stand firm in your faith. Go there, face your challenge. You'll see that your challenge is not a challenge at all for me, says God. And that's what God wants to encourage us with today. What is your situation? Your challenge is no challenge at all to God. All you need to do is obey Him, stand firm in your faith. Okay? So, to summarize what we've been talking about here. Okay? Desperate faith, basically, seeks God in prayer and fasting. It recalls God's past faithfulness. So when you are faced with an impossible situation, seek God. Be desperate about it. Seek Him in prayer and fasting. And recall His faithfulness to you in the past. That will encourage you in your situation now because you know that God will be faithful to you. He is faithful. And you will see His faithfulness. Only stay there. Desperate faith is assured the Lord will respond. It completely trusts in the Lord and it displaces fear. See, desperate faith will replace fear. Number five, desperate faith hears God clearly and specifically. Number six, desperate faith is enabled to see God's power manifest in your situation. And lastly, desperate faith worships God in the midst of troubles. And you see, God wants you to trust Him. In any situation. But you know, God is so faithful to us that He has even delivered us from our greatest crisis. The greatest crisis man has ever faced is an eternal one, an eternal problem that if it's not resolved, it's going to be for all eternity. It's a problem with sin and death. We're in bondage to sin. But God, you see, God spoke to man and said, you don't have to fight this battle. But mankind has tried to fight the battle against sin by trying to be religious. See, they were trying to fight their battles, this battle on their own strength. But you know what God's saying? You don't need to do that. I will do it for you. 
You don't need to fight your battle. I will fight your battle for you. I will die. I will send my son, I will, and he will die on the cross for you. He will take your place. But for you to see it, you need to come to him. Come to him. Go to the battle place and stand firm, trusting in my provision. You see, the battle place, you know what the battlefield is for us? It was at the cross of Calvary. That was the battle place. That is where the Lord Jesus disarmed the powers of the enemy. That's where he defeated all the powers of sin and death and all the powers of the enemy. And it's in, at the cross where we find victory. That's why today, if you don't know Jesus and what he has fought for you at the cross, then you are in your greatest crisis still, whether you realize it or not. Jesus came to set us free, to deliver us from our greatest enemy, sin. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. I'll end with this verse passage. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Whatever situation you may have, here's my point. I'll end with this. Trust in the Lord for deliverance. The battle belongs to him. It's his fight. It's his battle. But you need to be in the battlefield for you to see him win your battle for you. And Jesus Christ won the ultimate battle, the ultimate war for our soul. He de defeated our greatest enemies, sin, death, and the devil. He defeated all those at the battlefield of the cross. And victory is only found on that battlefield at the cross of Christ. Let's all stand. Jesus gives us victory. If he can give us victory from our, from our ultimate crisis, can he give you victory in your present crisis right now, in your situation right now? We're not belittling what, we're, what we are going through. We're just looking to God and seeing that what we're going through is nothing compared to the greatness and awesomeness and the majesty of the power of God. Look to God. Fix your gaze on God, not on your problem. Trust in the Lord to deliver you and watch Him fight, your, fight this battle, win this battle for you. How many want to see God bring deliverance to your situation right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now as we come to you to seek you, as we humble ourselves, Lord, we come to you in humility. Lord, we ask that you would deliver us first from our fears. Lord, uh, for, with our circumstances, some, mo, many of us are afraid, Lord, but you're speaking to us, don't be afraid, for the battle belongs to you. And Lord, today, we don't really have to fight this battle. You fight the battle for us. You are our deliverer. You are our champion. And Lord, but Lord, we face our challenge with faith, knowing that you will be the one to win this war for us. 
And today, Lord, drive out any fear and replace it with faith, with praise, and with worship. Cause us, Lord, to praise you for who you are in the midst of our troubles. And Lord, we have a great expectation that we will see great deliverance. But more importantly, Lord, more than just our circumstance, Lord, you, we thank you for delivering us from our greatest crisis. The crisis of sin and eternal damnation, eternal death. Thank you for delivering us. But may, there, are, may, there may be some of us here today who have not yet seen your victory. You have not yet put their faith in what you have done, Lord Jesus, at the cross. Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally work in their hearts, that they may see. Lord, remove every blinder and help them to see your ultimate act of love for, for them by laying down your life so that you can win the victory for them. Lord, remove every deception and I pray by the power of your name and by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, bring revelation. Open the eyes of the blind here today. Open the eyes of those who do not see and help them to see their deliverance and they only need Lord, to put their faith in what you've done. If that's you today, if you just, if maybe there's some of you here today who want to put your faith in Christ, not just in your circumstance, but for your whole life. Your whole life is in danger because of sin. And if sin is not dealt with, it's going to be for all eternity that you're going to suffer the consequences of that. But Jesus wants to set you free from the power of sin and its consequence. If that's you, just lift up your hand quickly. I'd just like to pray for you. Anybody at all in this room? Just one hand lifted. Anybody else? Just a couple of hands. Yes. Those of you who are lifting up your hands, this means you are totally trusting in Jesus today. You're not going to trust in your own efforts, that you're gonna, but you're going to trust in Him alone for your salvation. Lord, I pray for your grace to be upon them. I pray that you would bring deliverance upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation upon them. Those who raise your hands, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I repent of trusting in myself and I turn away from everything the Bible and you call sin. And I turn to you in faith, asking for your forgiveness, trusting that you will forgive me and trusting that you will save me. Only you can save me, Lord. And today I declare you as my master, my king, my Lord. I give my life to you, Jesus. Take control. Be in charge. Make me the person you've called me to be. Lord, I pray for these. That pray these, this prayer sincerely, Lord, that you would do a miracle in their hearts and in their spirits. Lord, regenerate them and bring them to an eternal relationship with you that they may know what eternal life is all about. It's trusting in you. Lord, bless us today. Bless everyone here as we start our fast tomorrow, Lord. We pray for grace. We pray for um, your spirit to be with us and we pray that we would 
hear your voice and experience your presence in a new and living way. And Lord, we commit to you this week of fasting and we thank you for this privilege of coming to you and experiencing your love. Lord, we just honor you and thank you for your deliverance in our lives.